Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Movie Mumble Podcast. I'm not Scott Murray. I am Joel Lewis. Scott won't be joining us this episode due to an unforeseen conflict in scheduling. Movie Mumble is a movie discussion podcast in which we try to broaden our cinematic horizon. In the edit, boys, this is going to be so much better. <laughs> Fuck it. I am joined, as always, by Tim Gerard. Hello. Zeke Perez. Hi. And Scott's not here, so we're we're rolling with this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there aren't any rules about what we can pick for Movie Mumble. They can be new or old, foreign or domestic, something we've seen a million times or for the first time, or things that emotionally crush people's souls, like Zeke's pick this week. Zeke chose soul. <laughs> Sorry. Who knows why? <laughs> but we're gonna we're gonna because he hates us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Zeke. What made you choose this? What was your first uh, impression of it, and why did you bring it to the podcast? Yeah, um, picked it and liked it because it was a Pixar movie. I, I is the short answer, right? I think since Toy Story, since I was a kid. Um, have just loved every Pixar movie that's come out. Uh, I think, you know, every now and then they'll hit you with like a teaser for one and you're not quite sure what it's going to be about. And then you go see it and you're like, oh yeah, it's great. They did a good job anyway. Or Toy Story 3, you're like, yeah, they should stop. They don't need to keep making more. And then you go see that and you cry in the theater and you say, oh yeah, they got it. And then they make Toy Story 4 and you're like, why would I care about a fork. A fork. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then you do. <laughs> so yeah, Pixar movies, anytime they come out, um, try to make time to go see them and end up loving them regardless of what they are. Um, but this is one that even when the trailer dropped, it was one that I was like, I really like that concept. Um, seems interesting, really excited to see it, even though they really don't give too much away in the trailer. Um, yeah. So it, it was one that, I don't know. It was kind of a whirlwind of hitting at the right time, right? It came out uh, during the the pandemic. So there's some, some feelings there, especially given the content of the movie. Um, but it's very different too than a lot of the other Pixar movies is, is another reason I brought it. It's not, um, and one whole thing I want to get into is kind of who is it written for, right? It doesn't feel like it's written for kids the way other Pixar movies are. I feel like a lot of the jokes are going to go over their heads. Like, just the existentialism, just, I mean, it. Just, I don't know. It starts off with uh, the character dying. And uh, I mean, obviously Pixar and those movies often deal with things like death and, and in a way that kids can cope with it and learn about it. But I don't know that this one necessarily, I don't know. I just don't know if children are who it's supposed to resonate with. I feel like it's supposed to hit us more, which it did. Um, so yeah, I think it's just a Pixar movie that's kind of full of points of discussion. Um, I enjoyed it. I think I've enjoyed it the more I've dug into it um, and the more times I've watched it. So I was curious to bring it and see what other people thought. Um, it was also one that didn't quite hit me the first time, um, but it sounds like it hit both of you very hard the first time. So <laughs> I uh, am excited to discuss that too. Yeah. Will you take a swing at the uh, plot summary for us? Sure. Um, so it's about a musician named Joe, and he is working as a music teacher in a middle school. Um, enjoys it to an extent, right? But he finds out that he's becoming a fully tenured teacher. They're giving him 
full pay and, and uh, benefits, things like that. And he takes the check, but he doesn't, he's not overjoyed to be getting that as a full-time job. Um, he kind of is yearning for a job performing or, or, you know, paid gigs as a musician is kind of what he wants to do. Um, so he gets the opportunity to go uh, be on stage with another famous jazz musician, um, a woman that he looks up to, and he's kind of very excited about the opportunity to do that. He's on the phone telling people about it, getting ready to go home and uh, get ready for that and dodges some traffic, uh, dodges a pile of bricks and then falls in a manhole and dies very early on. Um, so he dies, he goes to the great beyond and um, is getting, you know, carted away to the bug zapper light of death and whatever's on the other side and wants to just get away from these, like, I'm not ready to die. So let me go not do that. And then um, trying to get to the quicker way to talk about it. But anyway, he gets to like a soul assignment facility. <laughs> yeah. And it's not quite purgatory. Right. But it, it is a place where after you've passed, um, you know, they have mentors that mentor these souls as they're being formed and getting ready to go onto earth and helping them kind of form their personality and find their interest and their spark. Um, so he is trying to find a way to get back to earth for himself. He ends up sneaking into this mentor place, gets assigned to this soul um, 22 who's been stuck there for a long time. Can't quite find her spark. Um, they've tried a bunch of mentors and just nothing can get her to earth. Um, so Joe's trying to help her, but also more realistically trying to help himself and find a way to get himself back to earth. Um, they find a way to get back into earth or onto earth. And, uh, he gets put into a cat's body. 22 gets put into his body and they just have to work their way through all of that and try to figure out how to, uh, how to fix things for both of them, right? How to get her her spark, what motivates her, what is life to her, and then find a way for him to get back so he can go about uh, doing his show. You know, that's what he thinks he wants to do. Um, and along the way, they discover what living is truly about. <laughs> so um, I think that's the, yeah, that's the summary. There's a lot of in-between stuff, but what is the meaning of life, basically? <laughs> it's a lot scarier than the nice way you've described it. <laughs> I'm going to say that right now. <laughs> <laughs> you have come for me two episodes in a row and i don't know what Not i on did purpose. <laughs> yeah i, I, I watching this i felt like i think joel must have felt after watching inside by bo burnham you know it's like mm. i was i was i was seen <laughs> yeah about 10 I, minutes into the film title leads over and goes how are you doing with all of this <laughs> i'm just curling a ball Not well not okay <laughs> Had she seen it before? No. Or not yet? Oh, okay. Just, the overall tone had been established. Yeah. Yeah. Do you Thank want to take for... a stab at the at the well, scary synopsis, or will we get into No, that? no, no. I mean, I... <laughs> <laughs> the bug zapper of death is, yeah. is very, very apropos. Yeah, Tim, what were your first impressions? Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of knew going in, like, the, the basic idea of it, and I, I really one of the things I appreciated is how, how like him dying was dealt with. Cause I, yeah, it was kind of like, Oh man, what are kids going to think of this? But it, it was just kind of like, Oh, just, you know, you see him going to the manhole. It's kind of funny. I mean, we've, we've seen that gag before. It's a joke that happens, you know? 
And then it's like, all of a sudden he's this soul. And it's like, you know, there's no, there's no pain. There's no real like violence that happens. You know, not, I was expecting violence, but like, okay, yeah, this is kind of how, how they dealt with this. That's cool. You know? And it's, you know, um, the, I think the first thing I noticed that I thought was so cool is the contrast in the music because it's like, you know, his life is, is, is all jazz, you know? And then you get to heaven and it's this like synthesizer, like kind of new age thing. And I was like, how fucking great is that? Like, how brilliant is that? That like, you know, it's not just like, Oh, it's a, it's a movie about a jazz musician. So it's going to be scored with jazz music all the way through. It's like, no, like that was like his score, you know, his theme. Um, and then you get this kind of like, it's this kind it it's this kind of comforting thing but there's also like a coldness to it and i don't i don't know if that's something that i felt or something just kind of knowing you know synthesizers you know because that's sort of the thing is like i you know as a composer I, I much of my early career was dealing with live musicians dealing with acoustic instruments and it's only more recently that I've been kind of forced to kind of like deal with electronic music and instruments and how, you know, how people will work to make these electronic things so much more, uh, you know, human sounding and warm and inviting. But ultimately it's just, it's, it's all like these, you know, these oscillators, and these effects and cables and wires or something simulating that on your laptop. So it was, it was so cool to me that, that like, that's, that's what heaven was. That was, heaven was this sort of electronic mechanical kind of, I mean, I don't want to say lifeless because like, you know, usually is still a person who is playing the keys, you know, but the, the sounds are not being produced in any sort of, uh, for lack of a better word, natural way. You know, it's, it's, it's all, you know, it's they don't all have the electronic of, yeah. of a, piano with strings right like yeah there's a difference yeah and you know and 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 that's the thing too i remember i remember realizing this uh, years ago i was making this recording and it was something where uh i was kind of recording something from a keyboard that i had like connected into my computer and was recording it but because my headphones were in um you know the sound from the computer was going directly into my ears but but also the computer so and like I just and I think at one point too I had even like taken the headphones out of my ears. I just remember thinking like there was no sound actually being produced right now. This is all data, you know. Mm-hmm. This keyboard being an electronic instrument, like playing. I think it was even maybe it was even playing MIDI, you know. But like like there was no sound being like I remember I was recording it at like three in the morning and I was like oh good it's not like I was sitting there with like one of my djembes and a microphone trying to record a drum part like there is no sound being produced anywhere like this is this is fake this is fake sound this is all being produced electronically and and the difference between that and like okay I want to record a piano like you have to make noise like that's all the piano can do is is make noise you know you can't plug something into a piano and be like, I'm going to play these keys and you're going to hear nothing. And then somehow magically sound will come out later. Like you have to produce the sound to record it, you know, with, with acoustic instruments. Um, so anyway, just like, like that distinction was like in my head that, you know, like watching him play piano and, you know, you know, again, yeah, that piano, like it has to produce sound, you know, I mean, I'm not talking about like an electric piano or a keyboard. Yeah. But, you know, and then to switch to this thing that, yeah, that is like, very obviously and it it was a great way i think to score heaven too because it was like unearthly you know it's not this you know um 
you know, I feel like a lot of times they'll try to use strings or choirs or something like that. It's just like, that, that's all that shit's on earth. You know, it's like the choirs are humans, you know, making those sounds, you know, like, you know, that, that might be like the best we can produce, but that, that's still the, the, the sounds of earth, you know, like how do you really capture, you know, the beyond in terms of sound? And I thought it was, it was perfect, especially because like he didn't want to go there. You know, it was this, it was this, this fake inviting thing, you know, it was like, here's this sound that's supposed to be soothing and like make you feel like, oh, it's like a warm bath. Just come to heaven. And he's like, no, fuck that. I want to go back to uh, down to earth and I want to play jazz. and I want to live in New York where it's dirty and noisy. And, you know, and I, 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 yeah. So that was the first thing that really like hooked me was just how, how spot on they were with that, with the decision to do that. Which, to skip ahead, blew my mind again because it was Trent Reznor who did the score. So that was like him and, and Atticus Ross. So I think he, that's who he's like collaborated with when he's done other film scores. I'm not as familiar with who specifically Atticus Ross is and what he does. But it was just like, fuck, like heaven is being scored by Nine Inch Nails. How fucking cool is that? <laughs> like, like that just put a whole different spin on the whole thing at, at the end of it. Um, and I'm kind of glad I didn't know at that point because I think that would have like colored a lot of stuff. But how perfect, again, that was like. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, so that first, first impression, I was just like, yes, I'm on board. Um, and I guess even before that too, like the, the whole middle school jazz thing, like, like how great that was and how, I think that was the first thing that really kind of like hooked me in a way. Like, you know, here's this guy who, you know, he's supposed to be this jazz musician and here he is teaching a bunch of kids to try to play jazz and and terrible at it, you know, and it sounds horrible. And it's like, and then there's that one kid and that one kid that he's trying to like connect with. And just, she's like, I'm 12. Like, I don't, I don't get any of this. Like, you, you know, you, you know, and, it, and it's just like, Oh fuck. Like that, that kicked me in the balls, you know? Cause it was just like that, that is me in like every fucking lesson I'm teaching where I'm like trying to connect on this level of like, you know, how, I, I mean, I shouldn't say that, not like every lesson, because a lot of times it is about, well, okay, this is all the physical, boring stuff you have to learn, but this is why we're doing it. This is, this is the end game is that, you know, if you, if you learn this stuff now, like you're you could be a monster player later. And, you know, and again, if you look, you know, like they say, like, what was it in, um, what movie was that? Was that the, uh, uh, the one with Jeffrey Rush where he was the pianist? Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but like he has a teacher at one point when he's younger and he's like, you're forgetting the notes. You have to learn the notes. Then you can forget the notes. And like, that was just like, Oh, that's so cool. Like, yes. Like, and, and, and I've seen moments like that where like, yeah, that's the thing. Like, it's not about just playing from your heart. Like you've got to know what the fuck you're supposed to play, but then you've got to play through that stuff. You know, that stuff is, that's, that's the vehicle to get you there. But if you're, if you don't get in the vehicle in the first place, you're not going to get there. So it was just like such a cool way to just like an easy way to put it down there. Like, yes, you have to learn this shit, but then you go beyond that shit. You know, it's not just for don't learn this shit. And then somehow you magically get there. You know, So it's like, you know, that, that, that idea of like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm going to instill you with all this, this shit you have to learn that you may not like doing, but like, here's this peak of like why you're doing it. And when you could do this and, you know, and, 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 and it's just like, yeah, like, like they're kids, they have so many other things going on in their life. Like they're not trying to do this for a living. They're not, you know, they're not, uh, you know, and you, you also can't tell them the things that are inspiring to you and, and expect to inspire them, you know, and, you know, like, like how he kind of tells them about that moment that was when he realized he wanted to be a musician and, and, and it's like, 
And they're just like, yeah, what, whatever. Like, we're hungry. We want to go to lunch. We got to go to math after this. Like, I hate math. And then there's, you know, it's just like shit, you know. And and uh, and it's 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 interesting too because I love that you then had the drummer who comes in later, who you get to see the the other side of that. And I feel like it was something I was much more aware of in in high school. You know, when I was making the decision to want to go to school, and you know, my my band director was helping me, kind of like, okay, if you're going to be a music major and you want to do this for a living, here's all the stuff you have to do. And it's just like shit. Out of the the 150 piece concert band we had, like, how many of those kids are actually going to major in music, and how many of those kids are just going to like once they're done with high school, like, never pick up their instrument again? You know, and you know, so kind of getting to see that, like, here's this room full of kids who are all just kind of one kid's fucking asleep because they don't have their instrument, whatever. You know, here's this one kid who could be really good, but but yeah, she's still a, a child. Like, she's not ready for, for that responsibility and all of that. But then, like, we do get to see, like, yes, like, every now and then you get that one kid who goes on and actually does do something and becomes great. Then it's like, okay, and that's, I think that's part of it is like, yeah, like, what you have to hang on to is, like, you're not you're not teaching a room full of people who are going to be professional musicians for a living, you know? Um, but also how crushing that is that you've just got to accept that that's your life, you know, as opposed to conducting an orchestra of professional musicians, uh, you know, a room full of children who most of them don't want to be there. And it's like, and also that's part of it too. It's like, it's fucking banned. Like, like this is fun. Like this isn't math. This isn't history. Right. This isn't something we're trying to like force you to learn a bunch of shit. You don't want to learn. Like you, you get to be in band and play an instrument and have fun. And like how many people just don't want to be there. And it's like, well, if you don't want to be there, get the fuck out. You know, like you don't have to do band. Like what the fuck, you know, like I'm curious yeah. for Zeke, who's never been in a middle school band. <laughs> like, cause watching it, I was like, this captures so much of, a lot of this movie is capturing specific vibes and just as suit, like they did the fanfare with the bad tuning and the bad intonation. And it was just, it was such a brilliant choice and really funny. And then you realize, Oh, he's teaching these kids. And he just, everything about how he talked about jazz, like just sent me right back to middle school and high school band and this whole other, like, frame of mind and tone it just felt like a specific like a nostalgic tone and i don't like how did that did any of that come across zeke like not no not really nostalgic uh like you said because i never experienced it but um i don't know i and so one thing that i did hear about when they were creating the movie um that they had chosen to go with a musician uh, to make it a little bit more relatable. I think initially they wanted Joe to be an actor. Um, but that's kind of like a, you know, I don't, you wouldn't get those same sort of scenes, right? Like if he's an actor and he wants to move to LA or whatever and, and, and get a role in a movie, you don't get those kind of tender scenes where you see him in a middle school, like trying his best to teach someone else, right? That, not to knock actors, but it's, a, it's right. definitely a much more self-serving profession than, than a musician. Um, so I don't know, but it was still, I think, relatable enough, um, especially I love the scene where um, he talks about how he got into it and his dad takes him to the jazz club and he's like, I don't want to, you know, I don't care about jazz. And then it just strikes him. Um, so, yeah, not really nostalgia for those kind of middle school band experiences, but just, I don't know, him trying to teach and him trying to bring his passion to, to other, you know, to the students. I could I could feel that a little bit. Gotcha. Because that was one of the first thoughts I had is like, how 
bizarre and niche of like a focus and to cat like it 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 totally worked for me mm-hmm. so like to to jump to our discussion of like who is this for i feel like attacked by it <laughs> like it, it's really it's really specific to my brain and i i'm not happy about it um but my my first impression was the balls on pixar to do this weird weird beautiful movie because i was what like i was vibing i was really into the the music thing he dies and then the transitions and the way that they use the animation and they kind of they they shaved it down to like really bare essentials very specific mm-hmm. and very conceptual imagery with with the death and those kinds of things and even with the the jerry's like yeah. they're one line kind of in these different and that like when the jerry the accountant comes and like investigates on earth he's like hiding in these complex objects because he's just one line and the way that they played with that i just it was i i couldn't believe how existential and weird and abstract they went so quickly it was for me it was just like they are going more and more granular because it was that's the joke right what if cars had feelings what if toys had feelings what if feelings had feelings and now what if the concept of existential dread was a movie like they're Mm -hmm. getting we're gonna get fucking quarks at some point like it's it's just quantum (laughs) physics the level that they're they're diving in so that that was my first impression and then i saw the the escalator to the great beyond and shut down like because that's how my i don't know if on this this podcast the listeners know my deathly fear of death and the void after but that's how it feels when i get into because I won't think about it, I won't think about it, and then I'll think, oh, you're going to die. And it sends me into a spiral that is very, like, I hyperventilate. I, it's hard for me to get out of it because it becomes all of my reality is this shit doesn't last. You're going to be gone, and people are going to forget you, and there's going to be nothing afterwards, and that terrifies me because I really enjoy this. Um, and to watch a movie where the protagonist, the whole, the whole movie is clawing back from the void, trying to live, willing to like, to, to let someone, an unborn soul be ready. And, and, and the thing click that makes them want to live and then steal it. That was so sinister when he played it out in his head of like what he wanted to do. Cause it started sweet. It's like, Oh, I can help them realize their spark and then steal their ticket to earth. I was like, how sinister and relatable that was to me. I was just like, yeah, fuck them kids. Like it really, I, the, the escalator, it's like they stole, like I didn't have that image before. And now that's the image of how it feels when I get into that spiral is I'm on an escalator and I can't run faster than it. And it's just getting closer and closer to, and it's such a simple bug zapper effect of when, when the souls hit that to go to the great beyond, but it is everything about how terrifying it is. 
and how minuscule you feel in the scope of that void. And I, 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 I had written in my note, like I am teetering on the edge of that spiral, the whole movie. Like I'm laughing, but it's like I'm astral projecting behind myself watching you <laughs> laugh about it because this guy is like, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. So that was my first impression. <laughs> um, so you, Zeke, you were saying that you 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 had realized watching it most recently that, oh, maybe Joel's not going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like, um, yeah, because of how you feel about afterlife and death and all that stuff. And then Tim, you know, you relating to music teacher and, and the stroke, all that stuff. I feel like the scene where 22 is watching the fire and putting the fire out and he's like, Joe's like, Oh yeah, isn't this great? And she's like, I love watching it burn. I feel like, I feel like I'm 22 just starting a fire here with your guys' souls. And I'm sorry for that, but I'm also here for the chaos of it too. It, it's yeah. It, um, it's something. And, to talk about the bug zapping thing really quick, I saw an interview with the creators and I don't know, it feels like one of those, it's, it's a spectrum, right? You're either on one side or the other, but they were talking about it. And I guess the studio really wanted them to take out the bug zapper noise. They're like, you can't do that. Like that's a little dark. And they're like, huh, no, it's funny. <laughs> so I feel like you, funny. Yeah. So I feel like you either think the bug zapper end of life thing is hilarious or you're like that's not cool <laughs> and i think we have that spectrum here on this wow. podcast today <laughs> but yeah they had the same the same exact thing you said but with the different tone they're like isn't it isn't funny, it funny? That it's a, a bug zapper at the end because how insignificant are we all and you're like it's not cool that it's a bug zapper because it shows <laughs> that we're insignificant and nothing matters so it's just the same thing just how you say it i guess I felt too seen by media recently. And I know that's just like, oh, woe is me. The white man is, is represented in everything again. But like, this is like so deeply like my DNA, like with uh, Bo Burnham's inside and this, like it's, it's too niche. It's too specific. I don't want to be pandered to in this way. Like I want my neuroses, my very specific neuroses and fears to be unique to me because they are horrifying and it makes me special. But now I know that somebody at Pixar is also feeling this way and laughing about it. I don't like it. It's been a rough stretch of media for you. Yeah. And un uncut gems last time just to freak you out some more. Like some I'm stress. haggard, man. <laughs> Podcasting find... is supposed to be the the not working man's gig right now. <laughs> I'll do better next time. <laughs> no, I, I I I don't. I in all seriousness, I'm I'm really glad that you've picked the things that you have. Yeah, it just has felt targeted. I, <laughs> I know that's not been the the intention. <laughs> Tim, what was your favorite scene? Um, let's see. I don't, I don't know if I like could pick out a favorite scene in terms of like, I don't know. Like for me, it was more just like the whole concept of it, the way it kind of built and the way it kind of described. Okay. I guess. If, okay. If I had to pick a favorite scene, I have, I, th I think I have two of them. One is where, um, 
he introduces 22 to pizza. Uh, yes. Because <laughs> that was just like, it, it was so brilliantly done too, because I feel like we spent enough time in that kind of like afterlife, pre-life, whatever. The room of everything. It was just kind of, yeah, like fuzzy. And they were, you know, like when they try eating the pizza and it just falls out their butt, you know, and they don't taste anything. <laughs> and then you get to back in the body and it's like, everything's kind of loud and chaotic and messy. And it's like, Oh, but pizza, you know, mm-hmm. and like, and her reaction to it, and how perfect that was where it was just kind of like, you know, like, Oh, you know, like, you know, she was angry. She was hungry and like, you know, getting the pizza and like tasting it and just like, it was just like, Oh my God, I want pizza so bad. <laughs> and it was just like that, that uh, such a perfect human moment, you know, and, and, and a, a perfect kind of almost like summary of what the, the whole film is about. You know, it's like, yeah, like, you know, the, you know, the, the whole idea of like the spark, not being your, your, your purpose, but that, that, the, you know, the, those little moments of just like, you know, the simplicity of eating a slice of pizza, you know, um, and actually it, it made me think back to, um, my percussion instructor back in, uh, in undergrad, um, at one point he was having some like health issues and he got put on like restrictive diets and stuff like that. And he couldn't eat pepperoni pizza anymore because like the pepperoni, like in the grease. And he's like, I remember him telling me like a few weeks or months after he had been on this restrictive diet, he was just like, he's like, I have dreams <laughs> about pepperoni pizza and the pepperoni. It's, it's like, you know, when the pepperoni, like it's not flat when it curls up like a little bowl and there's a pool of grease in the pepperoni. He's like, I, I dream of it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, and, and, and it, it's funny too. Cause I mean, it, it's not that I like, you know, want pepperoni. Like I, I still, you know, I love veggie pizza as much as like I would, you know, used to love. I mean, pepperoni was never one of my favorite pizzas anyway. Um, like I used to like, when I was a kid, we would get meatball instead of pepperoni. I think cause it wasn't as spicy. Maybe that was what set me on the path of not liking spicy foods. You know, like I had pepperoni. It's like, this is too spicy. I want meatball. <laughs> but, but you know, so it wasn't, it wasn't the pepperoni itself, but like just the, you know, that, that experience or even that, like, you know, when I would, you know, when I was a little over, I would have pepperoni, even though it wasn't my favorite pizza, it was still pizza, you know? Um, so yeah, so that, that, that moment was perfect. And then the other, the other part of where um, they have all the people who are like in the zone and they're Mm. kind of floating up there. And then all the sort of lost souls who are just kind of stuck in things like, you know, and I was just like, God damn it. Like, you know, that was, that was another thing again, where it was just like, you know, and, and I mean, at least it was kind of cool to be like, I mean, I think I've been in both of those places, you know, Um, I've definitely been in the lower one, you know, Um, I feel like, you know, I, I don't know that, I've ever specifically been in that sort of like performance zone, you know, cause I'm not a big improviser, you know, and like kind of watching him play and the way he would approach it kind of like fall into the music. I mean, I think I've had other experiences like that, or sometimes like, you know, when I'm writing, it's a different zone, but you're just like, you know, like the, the whole world just kind of falls away. Um, so, so that was really cool. I, I loved that scene. I loved how they put that. And I loved how, you know, those people is their job to kind of like catch these people be like, Hey, like snap out of it. Like, remember who you are under all this, this weight that you've kind of put on your shoulders. And it's just like, fuck, why aren't there really people like that? You know, like who are mm. just kind of like going around in these nether regions and kind of like, you know, like showing you yourself and being like, look, this is what you're doing. Um, so that, that was really cool. That was another thing kind of, you know, outside of like the, 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 the real music heavy, 
part of what I related to, you know, where it was just like the, yeah, the life and the, the obsession aspect and yeah, just kind of getting stuck in, in your head and having it become this, this big heavy weight that just kind of like gradually grows on you and holds you down. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So I guess those were, those were two of my favorite scenes. I, I really liked how they fiz- like visually represented the lost souls thing. It felt very like Mad Maxian when they go through the, the swamp and the, the like mm-hmm. those skull crawler looking things like crows, I guess they called them, but that, that was really eerie and really poignant and very like specific, like, and the idea of those highs and lows, but also the idea that when he has his, as much as it hurt me to see his like flashback through all these moments, these like sublime small moments, those he wasn't in the zone for, you know, like the, the living part of the living. And that's the thing. Like it's, 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 it's symbolic that, he's in the place where the zone exists after he dies. Like he's in this liminal space. That's not participating in present moment. And that's the thing that he's chasing. Like, this is what lights me up. This is what makes me feel like magic. And he's, he's missing out (laughs) and he's not being present. And that as, as terrifying as that is. And as, as it's so rings true. And it was so well characterized by that space. I really love the fact that Graham Norton played that hippy dippy pirate <laughs> captain guy. Like I, I once I realized who it was, I was like, that's that's amazing. It's great. Just <laughs> so and totally his back. Like this weird existential thing is very Graham Norton. Like he, <laughs> he he has a lot of like, fuck it, let's go. Like that that's very much his attitude. It's like we die, let's have fun, let's drink before we do an interview. Like he, I, I really maybe I'm just like projecting that on him, but I, I really like that. Um, and I, I really thought it was cool when 22 stepped out into the light for the first time, like the city streets and just the cacophony of, of visuals and sounds and how it was a little too bright and the eyes had to adjust. Like it, it that was a really well designed moment. And I mm-hmm. thought that it just, it was just right for that. Like, this is the first time she's feeling any kind of sensation and it's all of it all at once. It's too much like that. That was, that was really cool. I have to say like when the accountant uh, catches up with them and traps them in that void thing, that animation, that kind of in stasis, like deconstruction of, of their, their soul and their entity, like the removal of that. That was really cool. Like that was reminded me of Get Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Very Mm -hmm. sunken placey. Yeah, I, I, I just love that their Pixar has its trademark animation style, but this was weird. It was it was playing more with like, uh, like Flatland esque things, like the 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 dimensions kind of whittling it. It's not even three D anymore. They're going to two D and one D and like. I, I just thought that was really clever and really well done. I think like animation in the last five years, like animation's always been entertaining, but in the last five years, like it, it's exploded, like into the Spider Verse, in terms mm-hmm. of like just these groundbreaking swings at, at 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 I don't know, like it's signified like this this transient space between living and death, and it was 
is great. Like all of that was conveyed. Like if you had nothing else, the visual component would have conveyed all of that in the same way that the music did. Right. Like it, it, like I, everything was working in harmony pun. Like this is great. I, I really, I thought that was really cool. What about you, Zeke? Yeah. Um, from the humor side of things, uh, Pizza rat. <laughs> oh, yeah. When Joe's pizza dragging the pizza, pizza and he passes. Yeah. Yep. They just stare at each other for a second. That was fun. <laughs> I forgot um, about that. <laughs> and then to the, to the in the zone scene, the New York Knicks joke was great. Yeah. you just been messing with this team for years. <laughs> um, that was fun. Uh, so, yeah. The, but the one, and then this will kind of like propel us into like the moral of the story sort of discussion. Um, but like the absolute, like favorite thing for me for this movie. And I think it's something that even just makes the movie for me. Um, I noticed it the first time and I thought it was a mistake or I thought I had missed it. Uh, but then watching it the second time and kind of placing it and why they did it. Um, kind of real. I lost it after I was crying because it hit me so hard. But at the very beginning, when Joe is going up the escalator and he jumps off and he's falling to, um, to the mentor place, right. Uh, everything goes black. And it pops up and it says, Disney presents a Pixar Animation Studios film. And then it just goes into the movie, right? There's no title card. The title You don't see the title card for Soul until the very, very end of the movie when Jerry asks what Joe's going to do now. He's like, I don't know, but I'm going to, you know, I, I, read it, I wrote it down. Um, she says, how are you going to spend your life now that you get a second chance? And he says, I don't know, but I'm going to live every minute of it. And then Soul flashes on the screen. So the movie doesn't start until after oh. everything happened and he realizes, yeah, it's about enjoying everything. Then soul, then the title credit hit the title card hits. Right. So, so the first time I was watching, yeah, I saw the screen go back black Disney presents a Pixar film and I was waiting for soul to pop up and it didn't. I was like, did I blink and miss it or like what happened? But then putting two and two together. And like I said, just it being about experiencing things and, that's when the that's when Joe's movie truly starts is at the end. So I thought that was like the neatest bow they could tie around the movie, like the the perfect way to drop a title card at the end of a movie. So it just blew my mind, man. That, that's <laughs> so great. Yeah, I love that so much. <laughs> yeah, like I said, it almost makes the whole movie for me. Watching it again and and realizing that's why it is the way it is and why it's you know the order of it because everything in between all of you know, him being convinced that, oh, it's about your profession. That's what you do day to day. And it's about how you make a living, but you're still enjoying it. That's what life is about. You have to find this spark that is a thing that you do. And then again, the montage, that was another favorite scene, the montage. First of um, all of the things that 22 left in his house, like the half-eaten bagel, the lollipop, um, you know, just all the things that seem meaningless. But then he thinks back on it and he's like, oh no, he she had the half eaten bagel because she tried to share that with the um, musician when she heard music at the subway stop. And she really enjoyed that. So she wanted to share with him. Uh, the lollipop reminded her of the conversation with the barber and, you know, getting to, to learn about what makes his life complete. Um, you know, the little the spinning point, you know, just enjoying nature and enjoying life. And so then he reflects on the, all the things that are important to him, right? Like, uh, Get out of here, Hobbs. 
<laughs> He's like, you talking about that movie with the cat? <laughs> I want to talk about the cat too. I've got some opinions. <laughs> he did not portray cats. Um, where was I at? Yeah, but then yeah, it goes to his little series of life and he's riding his bike um and enjoying nature and um you know playing the piano for his dad while his dad's sick and and then he's at the beach just all of those moments uh where he's like you know what these are the important moments to me these are the memories i'm thinking back on not the memories that were in the museum that was curated to show what was you know what my life meant right me failing an audition or me you know, just out eating at a diner, things like that. It was all these other important things that, you know, he describes at one point as just regular old living. Um, he finds out that those are what's really important. So yeah, just the, the Pixar just hit me in the feels with all of the life lessons there. Pixar has such a unique ability to make something really saccharine, not unappealing. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's just because they like, they started in the nineties when this kind of like, whatever, right. Like the mentality of it's very postmodern that like nothing matters. So don't try, don't like that whole sensibility. I feel like Pixar has been fighting the good fight against that. No, we should <laughs> care. These things are important. Like peaceful, easy feeling goodness is not something to be despised because they, put it in these these films that are like really poignant and really entertaining mm -hmm. but also like make these kind of saccharine points without the grossness of of overly saccharine things i i don't know if that's just right me but I, that that's how no. i felt yeah i was curious so i did want to get your guys take on other pixar movies right and how this stacks up i guess against those because i don't know again i just feel like this one's so different because it does do those same things, right? It, it, it digs into these deep issues and it, it gets sweet, but not, like you said, it not in an undigestible way. It kind of strikes that balance. Um, but just thinking about the audience for this, right? Like a six or seven-year-old going into the theater, are they going to be like, wow, you know what? Like, I haven't figured out my purpose and that's because life is about living, right? Is that going to hit them the same way it hits us? Exactly. Um, even the jokes, right? I don't know that the, <laughs> the ship of hippies and how they act is going to land for kids. Like, I don't know. And the astral projection too. Like, yeah. the, like that whole concept is so. Right. Even right off the bat when Jerry's describing what she is i don't remember the line but she yeah you know, <laughs> i'm this co cosmic yeah, concept <laughs> right in a presented in a way your feeble human mind can understand right. then there's like uh, all these references to philosophers and and you know political figures and Muhammad like Ali. i just the <laughs> only one was great but it just felt like none of it was really i don't know i don't know that if i was six years old watching this it would have hit me the same way or i would have enjoyed it right like so up um you yeah. get the the very deep saddest movie sequence you know in the first like couple minutes there but then after that there's um russell and there's the dog and then there's the bird and there's things that kids can laugh at um inside out right like the protagonist there is a uh you know young girl who enjoys sports um she enjoys hanging out with her friends she has to move that's a thing that a lot of kids can relate to I just don't know. I mean, I think 22 maybe is, is probably the character that kids could resonate with. But even then, like, I don't know, the whole 
find your purpose and what does life mean? And have you wasted your life if you're working on a profession, you know, and, and should you be cherishing these other things? Like, I just don't know how that lands for kids. And I don't know any kids to ask if they like soul or not, but I don't know. Just curious what you guys thought about how Pixar presented this one. Joel, you already talked about like how the animation is a little bit different, a little bit more cutting edge and like some of the references are, um, yeah. Wanted to see what you guys thought about how this one was created compared to other ones. I don't know. I think like, I feel like I see this with a lot of stuff where it's like, you know, yeah, we assume things like animation and whatever is, is for kids, but I feel like, you know, like, well, with Pixar specifically, because that is relatively new compared to just animation in general, like, you know, Disney animation. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there's a generation of kids that grew up with Pixar as that was the thing, you know, like when I was a kid, it was like, you know, Sleeping Beauty and Snow White, which I feel like I don't think I ever saw those. It's just like I wasn't into princesses, you know, right. Um, like even that, I feel like it took a while for Disney to maybe appeal to to boys. I feel like it was almost more for girls. You know, it wasn't until I think Aladdin that I was like, yeah, this is a cool movie. You know, like that was the first Disney film I got into. And then like, you know, I feel like when Pixar came out, it was around the time where, you know, like probably people your age, you know, like you were at that age of like, oh, okay, there's this new animated movie that comes out. So instead of the, the Disney cartoons, it was like the Pixar stuff. Mm. So, you know, I almost feel like sometimes with these things, they grow up with the people, you know, so it's probably not for kids. It's probably for you guys specifically, because you're the mm -hmm. generation who grew up with Pixar That's as your really new stuff, point. you know? And, um, you know, it's kind of like when, uh, 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 like with uh, um, Super 8, you know, mm -hmm. where I don't think that movie was made for kids. I think that movie was made for adults who were kids when E.T. and stuff like that came out, you know. Yeah. You know, even though there are kids in it, I don't think you're supposed to take your, you know, five, six, seven, eight-year-old kid to go see that in the theater and get the shit scared out of them. It's for you to see and to you to remember when you were a kid. Same, same thing with Stranger Things. You know, I don't think children are supposed to watch Stranger Things. I think people my age you're supposed to watch stranger things be like oh man i remember when i was a kid in the 80s and play shag carpet and wood paneling walls and play in D, &D. you know like <laughs> like that's who that's for like so i think yeah. this was kind of like with that it's not like oh you're too old now you don't you don't get to watch pixar movies anymore it's like no we're still gonna make pixar movies for you guys like you know yeah. um that's you a know, good pixar point has grown up with you you know right and yeah it's a bounce off of that right like toy story came out when we were kids playing with toys and wow what if toys were alive and you know, and then Toy Story 3 dropped when we were in college and Andy's going to college. And then we go see that and we cry because it's, yep, we're handing off our childhood. And now this one, it's like, yep, you're 30. And <laughs> what did you do with your life? <laughs> yep. So that's a very good point that Pixar has always done a good job of tailoring it to, I think, kind of the generation from where they started, like, like you said, has grown up with us. I do think that that soul does represent a shift, though. Mm -hmm. I think... We, we we should have saw the signs with Toy Story three because that that was like you're getting old, <laughs> you haven't realized it yet, but we're gonna point right at it and here here's how it is. This one because that's the thing with all those as as those films have even even Toy Story two, which I think is chronically mm -hmm. undersung. That is a great movie. Yeah, it was also talking about relevance and and not feeling wanted and do you move on? What is bit like? what Woody is dealing with in that. Mm -hmm. And also the relationship that, that 
uh, Andy has with toys it is this kind of like that's a, d- a deep existential point. But with Pixar, they've always been good at a balance between here's here's some for the adults, here's right. some for the kids. Yeah. This this felt like it was just for us. I mean, there are jokes, right? There are silly things that happen. The mm-hmm. pizza rat thing, like I don't know if a kid <laughs> with their access <laughs> and their lens on YouTube is going to know who what pizza rat is. Right. The, it's a fucking funny joke. I thought that right. they'll still like, see it and laugh. Pizza right? cat. Yeah. And pizza I saw rat like big pizza rats in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, like you said, Zeke, I, this is very much deep, existential. Mm-hmm. There, there's very little some for the kids too to this movie. Right. Um, but I don't know. Like I think part of that too is like I think a lot of what I'm seeing happening in the world now is like kids are being treated less and less like, Oh, you're just a kid. You can't possibly understand this, you know? And, and, you know, and, and it's good in a way. Yeah. Like, yeah, we're treating kids right. more like actual humans, you know, like right. you can't just slap your kid because it's your kid. You have ownership, but like, no, that kid is a person. Like that kid mm. has body autonomy. You know, that kid doesn't have to kiss its grandmother if it doesn't want to, you know, like, so I feel like maybe that's also what this movie is addressing as far as that shift is that, you know, we're not going to talk down to kids about death anymore. We're going to, you know, we'll put it out there. I mean, we're, we're going to put it out there in not a scary way. You know, it's not like, that's one of the things I thought was really cool about it where, yeah, there was nothing that would like scare a kid and make a kid be like, Oh no, now I'm going to have nightmares. I mean, I mean, I, Joel, I know, you know, you're thinking of it that way, but that was there already. Whereas like, I don't think this is going to make a kid scared of, of death. It's pre- it was presented, I think in a way that was, meant to be like, Hey, here's a way of talking about the afterlife and whatever to your kids, you know, kind of like what, yeah, like with inside out. I mean, I didn't see inside out, but the idea that like, it's giving, you know, a a character to all the emotions you're feeling Mm -hmm. in a way for kids to be able to relate to that, you know, where they, if they, if they're feeling like, okay, I'm just kind of a mess inside what's going on. Oh, well you have all these little characters in your head that are all these little emotions and like, okay, like now I can make sense of all my feelings you know, I feel like this was kind of doing that in a way. And and I think it was also like, you know, kind of subtle, you know, it wasn't, you know, uh, I don't know. Then again, I feel like other movies have done like, like all dogs go to heaven. Like I feel like that kind of deals with like death in the afterlife. Like, Oh, you're dead. And now you're in heaven. That pulls no fucking punches about being scary. And fuck that movie. (laughs) (laughs) That's a deeply disturbing movie. (laughs) <laughs> That's a good point. I think maybe maybe what I should say is I don't think that this movie is for the kid I was. Mm. Right. I think my my not having social media or dunderhead go play in the dirt kid is not going to be pondering the deep existential dread. <laughs> but I think that that's because we have social media and because like if a kid has a phone, they they very much have an unfiltered access to everything all of the time a little bit of everything all of the time <laughs> inside um but it, it that maybe maybe they're just again exposed to more and able to process more or like that that's that's a fair point i also wonder too how much of it um and i'm surprised there haven't been people up in arms about this like i feel like the the hold that religion and you know specifically you know christianity or catholicism 
has on society as a whole is also loosening, you know, where it's like, I feel like, you know, if, if you look back, you know, how often is the, you know, the, the afterlife just portrayed as like heaven and the voice mm. of God, you know, and it's just like this, this kind of one thing. And, and I, not to say that there was like, a, a, you know, an, an agenda there and like, Oh, but, but I think it's just like, it, it, it was quote unquote, the norm. I feel like, you know, that was maybe you know, less of like, an agenda, more of like a pandering to the, the widespread audience. I, I, I think yeah. definitely some, or, some consideration to that. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, possibly, but but it could it could also even be that it wasn't a pandering. Just maybe everyone in Hollywood happened to be Catholic. It's like, oh, if we're gonna write, oh, you know, like yeah, like I mean, even even silly things. Like I remember uh, there was a movie when I was a kid. Um, was it like eighteen again or something like that? Like some guy dies and he gets to like come back again as a kid or something, and it's like. And it, but it's just like, you know, it starts with him dying and being in heaven and there are angels and he's talking, you know, St. Peter at the pearly gates. And it's just like, that's just the, you know, again, it's, I think it's just the, the, the common mythology that's just there to draw from, you know, you know, and, and, you know, it not necessarily like, uh, you know, the, not, not in the same way that like, you know, Mel Gibson making passion of the Christ and being like, okay, <laughs> like, you know, you're, you're going to fucking watch this, you know, but just like, that was, that was just it, you know, that was, you know, and, and, and I think, you know, I guess I think about my own past and my own uh, connection to mythology is that it stems from Catholicism because that's how I grew up. So it's like, I feel like there are probably just a ton of people who grew up that way. So when you have to draw on, Oh, I want to write a film about the afterlife. Okay. It's going to be heaven. It's going to be God. That's just a given. Like what else would it be? You know? So I think now it's like, we're getting like, like, yeah, no, that's, that's not the go-to thing. Like we get to invent what we want the afterlife to be and what, you know, and it doesn't have to be, um, yeah, it, it doesn't have to pander too, because, you know, we've got enough clout now to be able to say like, yeah, like, even if people are pissed off about this, who cares? You know, like there are enough people who are going to be like, yeah, that's great that you're portraying the afterlife in a non, you know, Roman Catholic sort of perspective. Like, you know, cool. Um, I was curious, Zeke, what was the backlash of this film? Because you were saying that it, it has had certainly some. I, I can't, I don't know what the scale of it was. I'm not, yeah, I don't know. Outside of like the studio pushback on how, you know, how to how to tackle that but i'm not sure that there was uh i don't remember hearing much about any public kind of backlash about about it interesting because this went did this come out in theaters uh was it just disney plus i thought i think it was straight to disney plus okay because maybe i may i can't remember i know we watched it um in the theater uh, no, we watched it at home on Disney Plus. Gotcha. Um, let me double. Was it one quick. of those? It was like right around when COVID started, so it was like okay, like. Yeah, I'm trying to even remember exactly the. I think it was like. It might have been like the last thing Scott saw in the theater or something. Um, I'm trying to remember, and I know they dropped Onward. That was Onward. Was Onward the last one I saw that, in the theater? I, I apologize. That's the um, one I was thinking of. Uh, okay, so it was a. Oh yeah, that's what I should remember. Um, so it was a Christmas release, uh, direct to streaming on on Christmas. <laughs> I remember because we on these guys because <laughs> we and um, this is a tangent. You can cut it out, but um, Wonder Woman eighty four dropped also like around on or around oh, okay. Christmas too, right? Because oh, I remember yeah. we watched that one because we were up in Berthoud with Natalie's family and we watched uh, that one the first night and then the next morning 
or afternoon we watched Soul. So yeah, Christmas. Wow. Um, I guess they didn't do a, a theater release. So I wonder if that did. Um, That's interesting. I guess in that yeah, case, it became like people... the first feature length film for Pixar not to be given a wide theatrical release and the first to be billed as a Disney Plus original. So, okay. Interesting. Yeah, because I, I feel Harry Potter, there were like protests. Right. <laughs> right. Like they, I'm, this, this is way more heretical thinking than Harry Potter. Like, I, it, just interesting to me. Like, maybe there's other things that those people are yelling about, or they just mm-hmm. are not watching it specific. I don't know. I do remember some of the discussion about it was less about the life and death aspects of it. And like, because this is also Pixar's first African American character. So there was some discussion about how he was portrayed and, um, you know, there's also the discussion about in Pixar movies or other Disney movies, you might have a character of color and then they turn into an animal and spend right. most of their movie as an animal and not as the character. So I know there was some discussion about that. Um, and I, I know the studio did a lot to try to make sure he was portrayed and like, you know, him as a person and him as a jazz musician, like they went through a lot of stops to make sure that was as accurate as possible. Um, I think that's as much of the, like discourse about it that I've seen. Gotcha. I, I had heard that too. Mm-hmm. I from from that I had the things that I had seen. I was surprised that they went back and we got to see his body. Like twenty two was occupying that space, but we mm-hmm. did get to see more of that character's body on screen than I would have assumed from from the uh, commentary. Right. Uh huh. That makes me think like I, I really like the barbershop sequence. I thought yeah. that was so cool. And the, the stories and kind of seeing seeing how everybody sees Joe and then mm-hmm. seeing kind of like this new perspective on like you never asked. Your head has yeah. been in the clouds this whole time. Like I I thought that was really cool. I I'm glad because I, I think maybe that was the balance is like if they had spent too much time in the subliminal space, there's there's nothing to ground it or like I, I thought it was a really good balance of like back to earth and then trying to figure out how to interact in that way. Right. And then, yeah, the scenes with his mom as well, like yeah. how he dealt with her and then, you know, 22 inadvertently ends up standing up to her and like says right. his thoughts. And then they kind of have a talking through it after that. Um, it was interesting. And I, I love the barbershop scene too, just to, exactly like you said, to see how other people um, viewed him and and how he changed through that experience, right? That out-of-body sort of experience almost. And um, I thought that was a fun exploration too. And also to the barbershop scene, right? Like that was a good uh, way to talk about the moral of the story too, right? And, right? and sometimes the spark, just again, that whole like if you, if you, you know, if you love what you do, you never, or if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life, that kind of mantra. And like the barber thought he would have loved to have been a veterinarian. Right. And then, but economic circumstances had to raise a family and his daughter was sick and needed to pay the bills. And so he went to barber school and, you know, is he doing it just to scrape by? Not necessarily because he also found a spark there. Right. And found that if you have people in this chair, you get to to hear their stories and you get new people in every day. And there's a lot to love about that too. Not that he wouldn't have been happy as a vet, but like, I don't know. So I just thought that was another good counter or like a good um, extra 
what am I trying to say? Like an extra piece onto the story, right? Like an, a, another way to look at life and what your spark is supposed to be. Um, I think they covered a lot of different thoughts about it or approaches to it to help explain it. So I did also yeah. like that with, sorry, the, with the 22 as the mouthpiece, the literal mouthpiece mm-hmm. in that situation, like, she is operating only on the information she's gotten from Joe. Mm-hmm. So she's asking these questions in a very kind of innocent juvenile way, but they're holding up assumptions that Joe has made himself. And it really shines a light on how juvenile they seem and how, how surface level they've been. He's like, no, he was born to cut hair. Like that must be the thing that makes him happy. And he never, never, went past that first like like really thin shallow interpretation so when there's all these interactions where he's talking and and informing and through those assumptions she's discovering and he's discovering the the shallowness and the surface level of interactions that he's had and i thought that was a really kind of and even with the the uh confrontation with his mother it it felt like a very much like internal out external like i mean it's literally that but i thought it was a good visualization of the things that you think but you don't say and then oh did i really just say that now we're having the conversation and i really liked that camera move that they had where they had gone behind the mom from the cat talking and then it was joe talking and Mm. it it kind of yeah put a like seem like sewed them back together in that moment because it was genuine she was just saying what joe was saying and it was it was genuine that i thought that was really powerful yeah sorry tim i cut you off um oh yeah so it's back to the well like well yeah the idea like with the barbershop like i part of what i really liked about that scene too was like you know this I don't know. It's very, very complex emotions about it. Like, you know, the idea that like, Oh yeah, he was born to be a barber. You know, it's like this, this idea of like, yeah, how, how a lot of people, you know, not that I'm excluded from that, but like how, I guess how we're trained to see the world is that people are kind of like the value that they have to other people. So it's like, Oh, if he's a really good barber, that's like his, his identity and his, his drive. And he should, he should take pride in the fact that he's a good barber and, and, you know, and he does, but it's like, yeah, like maybe he wanted to do something else, you know, just because like, this is something he happens to be good at. It doesn't mean it's the thing that he's always dreamed about doing, you know? And, um, you know, and it's, it's, it's something I realized a while ago and, you know, in, in terms of how, how I perceive people, because it's like, you know, I've, I've been a musician for so long and been, you know, trying to make a career and a living doing that and kind of, you know, uh, had the drive to do that for so long. And it's like, you know, and every now and then I would kind of stop and think of like, it's like, what if, what if I didn't have this? Like, what, what the fuck would I do with my life? You know? And, 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 you know, for me, like music is such an obvious thing, you know, kind of like for, for Joe. And, and it's like, you know, sometimes I'll wonder like, well, what, what do other people have that don't have music and how are they kind of like, like what's inspiring them or are they just not inspired? Are they just kind of doing whatever, you know, and it's just like, you know, you know, or like with that, like situation, like, okay, I wanted to do one thing, but I had to do this other thing. And it's just like, fuck, you know, it's like, you know, and I've had little glimpses of that. And it's like, it's, I think for me, 
I think, the, you know, Joel, I think the reason why I'm not as scared of death as I used to be, because I definitely get the way you feel about that. I was like that as a kid. But as I've gotten older, to me, what's much scarier is not not getting to, like, live that life, you know, kind of seeing him, how he's always like chasing this dream. And I think that's part of why it was a wake up call for me too. But like, I've had those moments of like, you know, when I was doing the, the mail job, it was just like, this is just fucking terrible. Like, what if I end up just doing this for the next 30 years? Like, why am I even here? Why even fucking bother, you know? Um, or there, you know, you know, throughout your life when you get that, you know, that, that, that pregnancy scare, you know, and it's like, Oh shit. Like, do I have to just put everything I want to do with my life on hold? Because like, this isn't something that, you know, and I think it would be a different story if I already had a job where, you know, if it, if there were to be a kid involved, it's like, okay, yeah, we make some adjustments, but it's just like, I can't, I, I couldn't raise a child with what I'm doing with my life right now. I mean, fuck, I don't even know if I could afford to raise a child when I was doing the fucking male job. So it's just like, you know, um, and I remember that was a thing like when, when, you know, when COVID started, you know, and I was just like, I, you know, I have to leave this job. It's just like, if I had a kid, there was no way I could just like quit my job because mm -hmm. I didn't want to go to work because my coworkers were going to get me sick. It's like, I, I gotta, I gotta feed that fucking kid, you know? And it's like, it, it, it's just so like, that, that to me is what's, what's kind of scary is like, if I wasn't, you know, and I, I would rather be unsuccessful as a musician and still working at maybe the hope it'll happen someday than to just kind of give up on it and be like, I guess I'll just get a nine to five job and do that. You know, it's, it's the, 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 the line from Step Brothers when they're, they finally given up and he's like, yep, I'm ready to work here till I die. You know, like that's, that's, that's to me has been like the only other alternative, you know? And it's just like, I don't, maybe there's something in the middle that I haven't found and maybe that's, you know, part of what I'm hopefully going to figure out now between like doing some lessons and doing some other stuff. And, um, I have a different perspective now when I was younger and teaching, it was definitely like, I don't want to do this. I want to just write music all day. And now it's just like, I would love to be teaching lessons all day and not have to fucking deliver mail. Like, like, fuck, you know, it's like, I yeah. think, you know, sometimes I think that's why shit like that happens is like, Oh yeah, you don't want to do this. Well, how about this? It's like, no, no, that's way worse. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me go back to the other thing. You know? Um, so like, it, 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 yeah, it was just really cool how they, they didn't just sort of like put you in the mind of this musician, which, you know, like, I feel like, yeah, I, I am in so much of the time, but kind of force that musician and thereby me to like, look at everyone around them. It's like, yeah, like everybody else, you know, has a life too. It's not just, you know, it's like, Oh, well I want to be a musician. This is the guy I go to get my haircut from and he's great at it. So that should be his thing. And that's what you do. Cause you're good at it. And it's like, thought I had a point at some point, but just, yeah, just the, I think that's a lot of it with this thing is it's just kind of like, you know, it's not, it, it didn't really help me hone in on anything. It kind of, you know, blew my mind open. So it's like, Oh yeah. Like all these, these other considerations. And, um, but yeah, like I, I, I think that was the main thing by the end of it too, is like, how am I supposed to feel like about, you know, being a musician, my life is too close to his, like, <laughs> like I get the point of like, yes, you should be enjoying life more. And I definitely took that on, but like, but there's also that moment where like after his gig, when he's like, well, what now? Like, I thought this was the, the peak. And like, I was just like, 
The kid's Fuck. a fucking dead. Like, is this going to be what it's like if I finally score a film someday and it's just like, what now? Like, I don't know. See, see you tomorrow. Like, like, huh. And I mean, I, I don't know. To some that. degree. I, my mind blocked that moment. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> and I think to some degree I'm prepared for that because it's like, yeah, like I, uh, I think that's one of the things I've learned. And the point I'm at now is like, I don't, you know, like th- that's the thing is like, I'm not chasing this rock star lifestyle. Like I, I want to be able to pay my bills, you know, so that I don't have to be like, you know, hustling 24 seven, you know, like that. I remember that was one of the things, and maybe I should have listened more, but one of the guys I was going to school with when I was at DU, I think it was like right after we graduated. And I think I was working at the bookstore and he came in for something and he was like saying how like, yeah, like, you know, being the, musician for living is just all about like it's just you're just always hustling like you never you never get time off you're always just look like okay what is my next gig because nothing is guaranteed and i just got to find that next thing that's going to pay that next bill and just kind of keep going it's like you know i feel like that's not necessarily the case with everybody because there are people i think you know who and they're they're rare but like i don't i don't i don't think hans zimmer is hustling anymore i think he sits <laughs> back waiting for someone to be like will you please do my score and it's like here's my price tag I'll get started as soon as you sign the, you know, the contract, you know, like, but like, and not, not to be at that status, but just like, yeah, like I, I want, I think that's the thing is I want to be able to enjoy those moments because those moments aren't cluttered up by, you know, the, the anxiety of, okay, what's my next gig going to be, you know? And I, I guess that's part of the point of it too, is like, you can't wait for life to just sort of like slow down and hand you those moments. Like you have to take them, you have to enjoy them wherever they are. It's just like, damn it. Fuck Pixar. Like, you know, and you know, maybe, maybe that's part of it too, is because I didn't grow up with Pixar. It's like, yeah, like I've seen the movies. I like them, but it's like, they, they, no, like, how really... dare you? This is yeah, but, but, yeah. But that's the thing. It's like, you know, it's like if, if, if you guys were younger, when like toy story came out, like I was, you know, I wasn't playing with toys anymore at that time. Again, it was nostalgic for me because I remember when I used to play with toys and I used to feel like my toys came alive when I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. But this, it's like, here's this middle-aged man. It like jumped right. It's like, <laughs> I was like, we're going to be cute and talk about kid stuff. And then fuck you, Tim. There's an old ass man who's been struggling his whole life and never got his, 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 his chance. And then he's, he, he, he has a chance. He fucking dies. So get movie mumble <laughs> gives this movie two out of three. Fuck you's. <laughs> Okay, so Zeke, what makes you dread existentially? That's the worst way to ask that. Oh, that since we've we've been burying our fucking souls. So, yeah. what, is, what is the source of your existential dread? <laughs> You're trying to curate the next movie so you can put me no, through I, this. <laughs> what, no, I'm I'm curious because we. Th- that's oh. the the things that it, it this generates for us. I'm yeah. curious what. I mean, I don't know. I'm stuck because I have had a lot of that too, right? At different times. Um, I think, I don't know. So there was a long stretch, Joel. I think you know this. I don't know if you do, Tim, but there was a long stretch where I was like, I'm going to be the mayor of Denver. And I put so many eggs in that basket where I was just like, like that was kind of my identity for like high school and then into college. And I mean, some good things came of it because I tried some internships and things that I might not have and kind of got me to the career where I'm at today. So I'm not upset with it. But at the same time, it's like, wow, I really went around telling people that. And then I just didn't do it. Um, and there's been similar things since, right. Where it's like, Oh, I want to write this book. And then I just don't do it. Um, so I guess kind of similarly, it's like the, you know, will I ever 
accomplish things sort of thing, uh, you know, that, that, that kind of, but I don't know. I, I haven't really, like, it doesn't get me. I, I think maybe I'm just numb to it now. I'm like, eh, I'm probably not going to do anything. <laughs> it's fine. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I know you pretty well. Can I, can I hazard a guess? <laughs> sure. I'm just going to read yeah. for the room. Let's find out. I, we've talked a whole lot and kind of a lot of what we, when we talk about those things, it, you, mm-hmm. you have frustrations with, and you, with regret mm-hmm. of interactions that have passed and yeah. things that you can't change. And mm-hmm. I, when, when I was thinking about like what you're, response might be that was mm-hmm. what i was thinking is more not so much yeah. looking forward as looking back that's fair yeah i think that is true i think that's uh yeah i'll just be up thinking about some shit that happened 20 years ago it's like i should probably apologize to that friend from elementary school who you know i did a thing too so i think that's yeah that's definitely uh a driver but i don't know i'm also trying to get to the point too where maybe i do take some actions right and like try to to get my little Bucky Barnes little journal and go make my amends to people. <laughs> maybe I do that. Or maybe I just get to a point where I'm like, yeah, they probably haven't thought about it in all these years. So I get over it, but um, I don't know. That's a, yeah. Yeah. All right. Real as quick aside, as, uh-huh. I, any, if any of this stuff makes anybody uncomfortable, mm-hmm. I am totally fine. I did. I didn't want to put you on the spot. Mm-hmm. It, it seemed like I did, but I like, <laughs> I just, I wanted. I, I want it to be a safe space, not, not yeah. to be. I appreciate that. Yeah. I just don't know where to go. journalism. I'm not trying to get you on this gotcha podcast. <laughs> I just don't know where to go from there. It's just like, I have a lot of regrets, but <laughs> how can I tie it back into soul? <laughs> um, I will talk about one thing that kind of messed with my brain a little bit. Um, I don't know why I chose to do these two things, but I read uh, a book called Midnight Library pretty close to when I watched this. And so that's also uh, an about death book. So in that book, the person dies. In that book, a person's life ends and they get to a, for them, it's a library, but it's a place where they say you can look at any version of your life that you're curious about, right? So if it's a regret or if it's, um, a different profession you wish you had, whatever it is, the, there's a book in this library that you can pick up and you can jump into that life and experience it. Um, so right in the, in the book, she's like, Oh, well, what if I was a successful Olympian or, you know, what if things with my husband had worked out a little differently or what if just all of these different things that she thinks were the things that were making her, um, current life, her, her root life, miserable or unbearable. And she was trying to see, well, if I was doing this other thing, would it be different? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting to read that and watch soul pretty close together because they do kind of have not the same moral, but they kind of end up on a, on a, uh, moral where it's like, it's less about the setting and it's more about your perspective of the setting, right? Like, yeah, maybe you're not the star musician, you thought you might be, but look around, there's things to enjoy in life. And I I agree with that to some extent, but like midnight library specifically, um, you know, there were some very negative things in her life with her relationships and things like that. 
you know, with her husband or with other family members and end of the book's just like, oh, maybe you should look at it a different way and maybe then you'll be happy. And I don't think that's always true, right? I think there are things in life that just suck. And it's not like, oh, this shitty thing that happened to me or this thing I'm experiencing, maybe if I just was happier about it, things would be better. Um, I don't necessarily think that soul landed there, but there is a little bit to that, right? Like the barber, like sure, he found happiness working with people in the chair and getting to talk to people. Um, but it was like the harsh economy of a sick daughter and, and having to pay the bills that drove him to that. And, you know, I guess there's some regret for that character too, maybe. Um, I don't know. I'm sure while he was going through it, he wasn't like, Oh, well, cool. I'll just be a barber. I'll just put the dream I've had my whole life aside. Right. It wasn't always a happy thing, but he found happiness eventually. Um, so that all to say that I don't know that the, that the first watch of soul messed me up as much, but like the combo of midnight library and thinking about regrets mm-hmm. and then adding soul on top of that was kind of a whirlwind for my brain. I think that's one thing that got me kind of in the same place that you are. Um, at having watched this, but I don't know. Yeah. It's just, and it was interesting to see how this movie dealt with um, the purpose of life and all the things that come with that. So right. And in a very clever, some would say kind of like dodgy way, Mm -hmm. the movie skirts those, Mm -hmm. you don't really see outright suffering. You don't really see, like, I, Tim and I talk about this all the time, that like, it's really easy to say, be here now. And yes, thank you to everything that's happening when your belly is full. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yourself where you're not cold, you're not deprived in those ways so like mm, yeah. it's super privileged and I, I think i mean it's pixar yeah. they are dealing with a really really heavy thing but they're they're kind of skirting those kind of extremes of like well mm-hmm. it's great to say hey enjoy your life while you're living it but that, <laughs> it's miserable <laughs> like so, right yeah that's and i had a question for you guys about um how it dealt with um he just comes in here meowing at me real loud. I'm not sure if you can hear it or not. But... Oh, yeah. No, we can. He's insisting <laughs> you thought. make your yeah. point. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, you tell him, Zeke. <laughs> Sir, can you He's leave? Like, hey, hey, when are you done with that? Get out here. I need you to do shit for me. <laughs> Bye. Sure. I think, I, in my head, I'm thinking like he's exploring the house in places he's never been. He's like, I'm still here. Hey, <laughs> place is great. In case you were worried about me, <laughs> like get the fuck out of here. Yeah. So loud. I, my food bowl is not overflowing. You need to add more food to it. <laughs> I ate only an hour ago. I want to eat again. Um, but I was going to ask. Uh, I don't know if the movie was like intentionally misleading about the spark thing. Or if it was just supposed to be Joe and his blinders of what he thought the spark and the purpose was. But at the very beginning, when he's a mentor, they're like, oh, yeah, we pair mentors up. And the last thing before a soul can go to Earth is they have to find what they're passionate about. And, like, so it shows him showing 22 around, and he kicks a soccer ball at a kid, and the kid bounces a ball on his head and gets a little soccer spark and then can go to Earth. And, like, you know, all the things that he's seeing in the beginning, he's like, oh, of course, it has to be something that you do, right? Like a hobby or profession or a skill, that's the spark. And then they can go to earth. Then we get to the end of the movie and he's talking to Jerry and he's like, well, what was her, what was 22 spark in the end? And they're like, Jerry's like, Oh, that's silly of you to think like it wasn't, you know, 
a spark doesn't have to be a thing. It's just enjoying life. It's just curious because they don't open the movie telling them, oh, yeah, we just get everyone to Earth by teaching them how to enjoy life. It's kind of implied that it is like a, a, a thing that you do that is your spark. Do you think that was like intentionally misleading on the movie's part or Joe's interpretation of it? And it's not explicitly said either way. Like, so one of the things that I thought of, and this is, this is kind of a, a surfacey answer to that. And I'll, I could dig deeper after, but, but mm-hmm. maybe one of the things I noticed, like, so they have that little, the little symbol, the little flower, right? Where it's like the six circles around the center circle. Mm-hmm. And what I kept thinking is why isn't the spark in the center? If that's supposed to be like that, uh, that empty hole where the spark goes is like off to the side. Right. It's like, if that's supposed to be your core thing for being alive, why isn't it in the middle? Right. And so like now as part of this discussion, I'm wondering if that was the thing is that the spark is just another one of the things. Mm-hmm. It's not the main thing. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, so like, was it intentionally like off to the side, not, not the core center part of you. Um, and and maybe that that's maybe that's part of it too like that maybe it it is sort of his interpretation because i was thinking that same sort of way where it's like you know the kid who kind of when he kicks the soccer ball it's like oh there's his spark right so yeah was that like oh he needs to be a soccer player it's like no right. maybe it was just kind of this this interaction that was just like oh like look this is a thing that you know we don't we don't get here we don't play soccer here on earth you can play soccer and you can have a physical body and you can headbutt a ball and it's fun and you know so maybe maybe that's part of it It was just like it it seemed like it was a little too too vague and too like too too open yeah like that the spark was just like something something that makes you want to be alive not a specific thing Mm -hmm. and maybe that's part of it is like people like joe and you know and like me it's like oh well that that thing, that one thing that drives me, that's my spark, but it has to be this one thing. And it's only this one thing, you know? So yeah, at first when I saw it, I was just kind of like the ending seemed kind of weak because of that, because yeah, it was like all this weight was placed on this one thing. And it was like, no, it's just whatever. Right. And it's just like, it's just the experience, man. (laughs) Yeah. And at that point, I think, yeah, like I've already been kicked in the nuts where it's just like, you know, Joe gets the gig and now he kind of like, is just like, well, what, what now, you know? And, and it was this, this like letdown in that sense too. And it was just like, so maybe that, you know, maybe that was part of the point is that, you know, you're, you're kind of following the journey with Joe and he's so sure that he, he found his spark when he was a kid. That that's what that was, you know, jazz. And that's the, my one reason for being, and, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe it was brilliant. Maybe it was done intentionally to kind of like, yeah, this is what we want you to think that this person, you know, and, and maybe it's also just that kind of like, you know, like the, 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 the fuck you to like our parents' generation of like, you know, you have to find the thing that gives your life value. Otherwise, why the fuck are you here? You know? And I mean, we, we all think that way about ourselves, but like, it's like, well, it's because it's, you know, our parents and society telling us that, you know, can't just not have a job. You got to do something. You got to provide a service to the world. Otherwise, why the, you know, you're a fucking burden on the world, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe I'm reading into that too much, but maybe that's, (laughs) you know, like, like that, that's kind of part of it is like, you know, that, 
you know, I feel like so many of us have been told that, that, yeah, that our lives don't have value unless we're contributing something. And the goal is to find that thing that you want to contribute to the world, you know, before you end up having to just contribute the act of delivering mail to everybody, you know, and that's the only way your life has value. So, so yeah, so I, I, my first impression was it was kind of like a, a, a weak kind of reveal, mm-hmm. but, but I, yeah, I think maybe it was intentional and maybe, you know, maybe, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to connect dots and say that that's why the spark wasn't in the center because they weren't viewing it as this all important thing. It was just maybe the last thing, you know, like that was yeah. the thing that puts you over the edge. Like you can be good at all this stuff here, but there has to be something that makes you want to go to earth. And it's the last thing, but it's not the most important thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, yeah, that's looking back and analyzing. And I think that's how I'm choosing to see it. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. And it's interesting to think that maybe it, I don't know, like, is it a revelation for the Jerry's as well? Because they talk about how they've tried for so long to pair her with a mentor, you know, and like every mentor struggled, like, so has just no one figured out that it can be anything or was it, is it kind of up to each soul to connect those dots? I think for Joe's perspective specifically, right? Like it's very clear that he's very profession driven. And like you said, you have to do the thing to contribute to the world and find a thing that you like to do and make it that because when he's showing her different stuff, he's, you know, you can be an astronaut, you can be the president, you can, be a librarian, you know, which of these things do you want to do? They're all jobs. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting that the reveal then is, oh, it's not a job. Duh. Like, of course it can just be the experience of those things. And the Jerry's don't ever seem to offer that up. But again, maybe that's because we're supposed to be in Joe's headspace at that point yeah. of the movie. Cause well, he really also, does just take, pick it up and start running with it too. He yeah. doesn't wait for more. He's just like, oh shit, I'll start getting her, yeah. you know, interested in stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. And maybe part of that's the whole thing too, is like, we know very early on that he's like, I had this defining moment and this is when I knew this is what the thing that gave my life importance. So he's just, he's got such a strong connection with that moment, which he sees as the spark. So when they tell about it, like, yep, I know what you're talking about. Got it. Let's go. You know, I'm not going to ask any further questions, you know, plus with, with the Jerry's like they've, I'm assuming they've never been alive on earth. Mm. So like to them, that whole, that whole thing is a, is a, is a human construct that you have to do something, provide a service to someone, you know? So they're just kind of like, yeah, like, Oh yeah. Like, sure. You got to get a job. That's this human thing you need to do to have to food and shelter or whatever. But that's, that's not what we do here. You know, we don't care what your job is, what you do for a living, you know, like. Is Terry, is Terry the only one not named Jerry because Terry's the accountant? And the Jerry's don't care about jobs, but Terry, (laughs) they're like, you're different and you, you have a job. So yeah. I'm curious why the Terry and Jerry. I know. Yeah. Like, I wonder if there was a significance to the name Jerry. Like, why did they pick that name? Right. The only thing I thought of with Terry is like on, on parks and rec that ends up being Jerry's (laughs) name one time. So if that was part of it, yeah. It's like, I like that. Good theory. I feel like when when they made that re- revelation, I just kind of took it sight unseen. I didn't really think much more of it. Um, in retrospect, I don't know if it just fe- feels like. I mean, there's five other circles, right? So maybe one of those is the the that thing, right? Mm-hmm. And it's also how many billion lives have come and gone. Where 
I think what it really pinpoint is like variety, right? Like not everybody's wired the same. That's why it was so difficult to find this last component. It's something they had to go to earth to find, right? Like to see that pinwheeling seed couldn't, I mean, you could have seen it, but I, I think it was also an amalgam of all the experiences that came before that, that mm-hmm. kind of solidified this kind of what life actually is. Um, and kind of like, eons of of being jaded and well nobody else has been able to figure out what it is and like when they the mentors that we see their kind of thing was professional mm-hmm. right like ali was a fighter like right. like socrates thinker philosopher like all these things that had to do with what i noticed about the mentors where they were all defined by something like that mm-hmm which, I mean, it's also reframing kind of the first moment that he, uh, when Joe starts to be the mentor, he kicks the soccer ball or he knocks into the soccer ball that hits the kid's head, and that's what happens. Like, and I think that puts makes it seem. I was like, oh, cool, he's already helped somebody. And in my mm-hmm. head, and I think what the movie is saying, like that's showing the weight of that connection is like, Oh, soccer was the thing. And it like, but I think what it ends up, the point it's making is that was more incidental than anything else. It could have been like, um, but I liked everything both of you said. So <laughs> I don't know. I like what that my, too. Yeah. I, I think if, if you, you know, if you ask Joe, let's use the barber again, right? Like, yeah. What's the barber spark at the beginning of the movie? Joe would have said, Oh yeah. Throw a little pair of scissors there. Right. Because he's meant to yep. be a barber. Mm-hmm. When in reality, it, maybe caring, right? Because as a vet, he, that soul would have got to exercise caring for animals. As a barber, he gets to make those relationships with people and care about people and hear about their problems. So maybe his spark was interaction with others, whether that's animals or people, right? So early Joe would not have, he would have been like, oh, let me give him some clippers and send him down to earth when that's not the actual spark. That That's just what he's done with his spark. Um, I... So it was interesting to watch this right after seeing old and my channel because in both of those movies, people are literally watching <laughs> the life leave their bodies because they're rapidly aging and it just like death is on the horizon. <laughs> so this in the same way, sorry, just a little distraction. It's just like in the same way, the book that you had read, had influenced mm-hmm. the the fucked up nature of right. this. I was also like just coming off of a, a science fiction like terror trip <laughs> where oh your time is even more brief than you thought. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so watch Soul as a standalone is our tip. Yes. <laughs> don't, don't nothing else that's that existential that? or philosophical. <laughs> just your friend had said about uh, pie. Or uh, um, uh, the other Aronofsky one that we haven't seen together, the the one about heroin. Oh, uh, uh, Requiem for a Dream. Requiem. So don't watch mm-hmm. it if you're happy. You don't watch mm-hmm. it if you're sad. <laughs> so don't watch Good it advice. if you thought about anything in your life. <laughs> so um, another thing that I that I thought of sort of at the at the end of the discussion of the whole spark thing was that. Um, and I thought it was, it was kind of funny, but also dark 
and this kind of ties into the spark thing when how she you know jerry's like taking those souls and like oh you five go in here oh yeah and you two you also you you know and basically kind of giving them <laughs> all these attributes which like i feel like that was maybe that was part of it too is that like those attributes were being given to them you know kind of randomly haphazardly and yeah and they were becoming this collection of oh well this you know these people are going to have anxiety and these people are going to have this and this and and then it's like maybe the spark was like the 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 last little thing that wasn't that wasn't that that wasn't all all that shit you know that wasn't yeah like wasn't you know their you know self-assuredness you know, or their, or their, yeah, or their anxiety or, you know, whatever, one of those little, you know, how they were all those little huts that they were throwing mm-hmm. them in. And this mm-hmm. is going to, you know, that it was, and, and it was interesting too. And, and it, it's now making me think of um, like, I remember years ago, you know, kind of in that realm of like, not fully into new age, but like kind of dipping into it. And at one point I remember, and this is, this is a more uh, uh, spiritual way of looking at things, but uh, so not everybody might, uh, subscribe to this but it was it was saying how because i feel like we're um you know we're always kind of wrestling with like well who am i is it is it my thoughts is it my feelings is it that you know and and one of the things that i forget where i read this but it was like you know your feelings aren't who you are either because your feelings are controlled by chemicals in your brain so that's not like who you are as a person like your feelings can be altered by by drugs or whatever that doesn't change who you are like and kind of, you know, who you are is kind of like deeper than that, you know? And it was, it was interesting because I feel like, you know, there's this, there's always this, yeah, this sense of like nature versus nurture, like, well, how much of who I am is like the genes I inherited with my parents versus how I was raised versus how I interact with, you know, you know, my peers, this, all this stuff, you know? And then, you know, so I feel like we do go back on that, like, oh, well, my feelings, that's who I am. It's like, well, no, like your feelings, a lot of those feelings could also come from, you know, conditioning, you know, like fears, you know, like I feel like aside from our kind of more primal fears of like being afraid of predators, you know, we're, we're taught to be afraid of tons of stuff that we don't need to be afraid of, and, you know, and, and, you know, we're taught to, you know, to, to be interested in things, you know, like, um, uh, you know, like looking at, you know, the, I feel like uh, not, not to make an excuse for this, but I feel like a, a reason why, like there is so much rampant, um, objectification of women is like, you know, that's how boys are taught growing up. You know, it's like, you know, it's, it, I, I think there's a, a huge part of that. that isn't just like, Oh, well, boys will be boys. It's like, well, no boys are trained to be little fucking assholes, you know? And if we stop doing that, they, they, that's not, that's not inherent in, in their nature. Like they're, they're taught that by, you know, the, the generations of males who came before them. So, you know, even those, even I feel like a lot of the, the things that maybe we may attribute to baser instincts, that's, that's also not who we are. Like we can, we can make decisions, you know? So it's like, so what is it that makes us, us like make, like what, who are we really at, at the at our core? So maybe that's, that's kind of what this was saying is like, here are all these things that you kind of have, you know, these, these little huts that you're thrown into that are going to add attributes to what your experience on earth is going to be like. But, but that's, that's not, that's not the, the real thing. That's not the spark. That's not like what, what, what drives and what, what, you know, what is going to make us make the decision to be like, I know I'm afraid of this thing, but I'm going to do it anyway. You know, like, Oh, well, if we're afraid of something, that's a feeling we're supposed to, that's, that's supposed to be real. We're supposed to listen to, to, to our feelings. Cause that's who we are. Like, well, no, it's not like if you're afraid of something, you know, unless it's, you know, again, a fight or flight kind of situation, maybe it's a conditioning or, or, 
you know, some, some chemical imbalance. Maybe we should fight through that fear and do the thing anyway, or it's an insecurity or something, you know? So, so what is it that makes us push through that, that, that fear or that insecurity? And maybe that's, that's what the spark is. You know, it's, it's the thing that says like, yes, I want to live. I want to do, you know, and again, it doesn't have to be music or it doesn't have to be whatever the thing we think our life is supposed to be about, but it's that little thing that says, no, do it anyway. Or like, oh, okay. I know I, you know, and again, you know, this, this is, uh, you know, where it kind of oversimplifies things where, you know, and not that I think the movie was saying this specifically, but like, oh, if you're, if you're depressed, like what, what makes you make the decision to try to get help if that depression is who you are? And it's like, well, maybe it's not. There's that spark that's underneath that. And, you know, that's the thing that's going to say like, okay, wh- what do we have to do? How do I get help to push past this and not just sort of accept it and let it like hold me down, you know, or, or the, you know, the, the, the day traders, you know, when they're just stuck in that loop, you know, what's the thing that's gonna, that's gonna say like, no, this isn't what's important, break past that, you know? So yeah, I think maybe, maybe that's, that's part of it. And again, maybe that's where the assumption that it has to do with, oh, it's, it's your job or, or, you know, and, or not necessarily a job, but the thing you're, you're good at, but it's, I think it's just whatever makes you, you that's buried under all all of the shit, you know, all the, all the shit they were piling on these little souls before they even got to earth. It's like, they're going to get to earth and they're going to have parents, and teachers and uncles and aunts and surrounded by assholes. But it's like, they're already coming there with like these six things that are like, here, some assholes up in, you know, the before place or whatever it's called. They're just going to pile this shit on top of you and then go down there and have more shit piled on top of you. <laughs> and maybe that's part of it. Maybe the spark is the only thing that like, keeps you going you know it's like the it's the only thing that like you know and maybe you know and 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 that, that's the weird thing too there were times where like like yeah 22 i get it or you know it's like yeah like <laughs> fuck why why why, why do you want to do all this <laughs> like, just stay here like you're fine this is this seems great you know like i mean I'm, sure like i could also understand why it's like yeah if she hadn't tried pizza then yeah like, that's why you don't want to bother with earth like <laughs> It's all we have to offer. <laughs> it's the yeah. most important thing. It, most of it sucks, but there's pizza. <laughs> Between the suckage, there will be pizza. <laughs> yeah. I was curious how you guys felt about the ending for Joe. I know with the the uh, the bookend of the title coming after him getting his second chance was really powerful, Zeke. But I I spent the whole movie in dread of him accepting his fate. And he never does, and he gets a second chance. But that's I I won't get that. That wasn't I I don't know. Like I I really scared, 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 and then disappointed that he he cheated. He he, he got to be Sisyphus. Mm. There were boulders the last time that happened. Like I that that kind of felt a little. I don't know. It just, I don't, they just build up this dread for so long. And then it was kind of like, well, you, 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 you escaped. I mean, do you wish it was more definitive then? Like in terms of what he goes on to do or what, what kind of were you looking for? No, I'm saying think? like he, sh- I thought that he should have had to go on to the great beyond. Ah, uh, uh, uh-huh. Yeah. The bug zapper <laughs> of doom. Yeah. I just thought that, yeah, that was just it, that seemed the one kind of like Pixar little kitty and thing at the end. 
Yeah, that's fair. I think my response would just be like, yeah, that Pixar is not going to kill him off, right? Because what's the excuse that Jerry, she's just like, oh, you, because you... You helped figure out 22. Right, because you finally cracked that code, we'll let you... Yeah, which is, yeah. I mean, right. I mean, for me, I think it, it falls in the category of like, you know, the, the, the metaphor of the movie, you know, is that like, you know, yeah, like we don't all get to die and then claw our way back to life, but like, but we get second chances, you know, we get, we get times where, you know, we, we either have to make a choice or we could have done something and, or, you know, something almost went horribly wrong and it didn't. And just like, Oh shit, do I learn from this? Or do I just keep going like the way I was going, you know? And, or even just to watch the movie and be like, you know, yeah, like, like, fuck, I don't, I won't get to fall down a manhole cover, go through this journey and get a second chance. I have to learn from this guy's fictional second chance at life and (laughs) give myself that, that new change, that change in perspective, because I won't get to go through that, you know? Um, yeah, so I think that's kind of just how how I took it is like, yeah, like we this this isn't me, but I can still learn from it and I can I can make that change and learn that lesson because I watched him go through it, you know. And yeah, I mean, and because it already did resonate with me. It was it wasn't like, you know, oh like, oh yeah, I'm afraid of falling down a manhole cover, so I should start paying attention to life. And it's just like I think that was what was weird about it for me too, is I I had already been feeling like that a lot lately, where it's kind of like, um, you know, between wait, I'm waiting, still waiting to hear back from the other school I applied to. So I don't know if I'm going to school in the fall. I've been applying to these jobs. I don't know if I'm getting these jobs and I've got like this weather, you know, and it's just like, like everything's kind of in limbo Mm -hmm. and I keep kind of like frantically trying to do more stuff to try to make some of that happen or like, you know, check my email more often. Did I hear back from Pacific Northwest? Do I know if I get in, you know, and it's like, um, so, so yeah, there was a bit of that to me where it's just like, Hey, like, you know, stop and, you know, stop kind of wondering about what's going to happen and just in the meantime, kind of enjoy it, you know, and I'm, I'm usually pretty good at that, but I usually don't have a ton of things up in the air that who knows where all these balls are going to land, you know? And it's like, I was telling Krista the other day too, cause she's got some similar stuff. And I'm like, at least, you know, what I keep telling myself is at least by September, I'll know what the fuck's going on. Cause either I have this job teaching or I don't have that job teaching or I have this other job or I don't, or I'm going to school or I'm not, you know, like it's not indefinite. Like, you know, and I think it's just, you know, because it's summer and people are dragging their feet on stuff, you know, cause it's like, Oh, we have till December, September, but like, um, so anyway, so yeah, I think, you know, it's like every now and then getting that reminder that's like, Hey, you know, yeah. Like, like, yes, we're not trying to say that the stuff that, sucks doesn't actually suck because it does suck but in between the sucky stuff you know there are at least moments to enjoy and to you know to try to at least focus on on those things i like that a lot but for me it's not a metaphor because it's literally how i like it's literally the fear (laughs) and so at that point like i can't it's really hard to look past the metaphor because it's been so so specific and so like that yeah. that you have given images to the actual feeling. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I mean, I don't, yeah. And it, I, see, I'm, I'm trying to think back. Cause like I used to have like crippling fear of death as a kid and I can't remember 
and like all the stuff you described, like I, I used to go through that all the time. And like, I, you know, there were times where like my, my dad would like stay up with me and just try to talk to me. And it's just like, yeah, like n- none of this is helping. Like, like I'm still going to die. Like nothing you say will change that. And I can't, I can't remember at what point, like I became more okay. I mean, I'm not super okay. It's not like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, but it, but it's like to the point where it's not crippling. And I, I, I wish I could remember what the turning point was to be like, and not that it would be a turning point for you necessarily, but like just how, how I got out of that. I mean, I, I know that for me, I think a lot of what I was scared of was the actual, like, you know, again, the, 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 the idea of, of heaven and eternity and like, you know, and I think it was when I started exploring other possibilities, like, well, yeah, maybe reincarnation's a thing. Like, yeah, like I, I could see dying, but then you get to come back and do it again as someone else. Like that sounds kind of cool. Or maybe it's this, or maybe it's this. So I think, you know, I, I think for me, like exploring other possibilities and I think like what lots of religions do, you know, you lie to yourself till you find, you know, till you find a lie that makes you feel better, you know? And, and it's like, yeah, we'll go with that. That's the thing. Yep. You know, and not, not to make this like a whole like origin of it, but that's exactly what it was like. Like when I was religious, it was like heaven. I'll be fine. I just got to get to heaven. That's what it is. And then I started questioning, like, well, what does that mean? Do I have to learn the harp? Where? What are the prerequisites? Am I going to spend eternity singing praises? Sounds, like, sounds boring sound, as fuck. Why, <laughs> why is that? And then it, it, it was like, okay, I know I'm going to die. That was a big motivation for me wanting to be a writer, was that was some some tangible sense of continuing in some sense. It was very flimsy and not like not the best, but it was it was something. But more of what what has helped now is I had a conversation with my friend Alice, which both of you know, great person. She had talked about I was talking about consciousness and she's like, well, where are you when you sleep? Are you alive when you see you have any evidence to like that? And so my, my, what I've conceived of death, if there is nothing after is a void, like being unconscious. That's awfully pleasant because I'm not around. It's still scary, but it's, it's more abstract in a sense of like, I think part of the fear is continuing on as like consciousness with no act, like only being able to be in my own head and regret and alone forever <laughs> with, with everything that I did not mattering, nothing I can do again that have any hope of mattering again. And if it's just sleep, the most I impact anybody when I sleep is snoring and drooling. <laughs> so like, if, if that's the, if that's the final big dirt nap, then that that's more comforting than the thing that sends me into the spiral is you have so little time. You're accomplishing so little. Mm. You're going to be gone. And in the scope of humanity, (laughs) the people who knew you and knew of you will die way quicker than everybody on earth dying. So that, that, yeah, that's nothing about the film and everything about me. (laughs) I I mean, like that's the the plot of the movie is just like, Hey, you're, (laughs) What did you do with your life? Now you're dead when you almost did a thing. Oops. So yeah. again, sorry to do that to you. <laughs> I, I, I think you, you, you should maybe, I don't know if this will help or not, but there was, there was a book I read years ago 
It's written by Daniel Quinn and someone else. I forget who the other author is. Uh, but it's called The Newcomer's Guide to the Afterlife. You were telling me about that. Yeah, and it's marketed as if someone was able to, like, it's it's kind of like in uh, Beetlejuice, the handbook for the guidebook for the newly deceased, you know, yeah. where it's like, this is the book that they give you when you die. And someone was somehow able to bring it back and he's presenting it to us, you know, like, oh, that's cute. Um, but basically in this version of the afterlife, it's basically like this world, except you're already dead. Like you can't die. So it based, and I think the, the point of that is to make you kind of realize, reevaluate your life in terms of how many things do I do because I'm trying not to die. And if you, if you <laughs> remove that, that consequence, how does that change your perspective on life? You know, and it talks about like, you know, people don't really own things, you know, like maybe someone will build a house because they're used to living in a house, but you don't need a house because you're not in danger of the elements. You don't have mm-hmm. to sleep because sleep is something that's necessary to do for your human body. Because if you don't sleep, you'll die. You know, you need to recharge. You don't, you're already dead. You don't need that. You don't need to sleep. So, you know, yeah, you don't need a roof over your head because there's, you know, there's no weather that's going to, you know, so it's like sometimes people will build houses, live in them and then just leave. And then someone else might come along and live in that house or whatever, you know, and it's just like, how kind of lackadaisical everything is, but it's also just, yeah, this idea that like, Oh, well, okay. I, yeah, I, I already died, but this is my life now. So, you know, um, so it was, it was an interesting perspective on the afterlife, but also how it kind of, you know, changes how you look on the, the now life or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, I think the other thought I had was, you know, what, what, what helped me change my thoughts on the afterlife, um, this was, I think I talked about this during my new age phase in the, uh, on the other podcast was, uh, the, the book conversations with God. I think it was in this book where they're, they're discussing that basically the afterlife is kind of like, not that you get to decide, but it's, it's a result of kind of how you've lived your life and not in a sense that in the Catholic sense that if you're a bad person, God makes you go to hell. Right. It's that if you're a shitty person, you've surrounded yourself with negativity and, and shittiness your whole life. You're not going to go to this paradise after like, that's something that you're going to carry with you into the afterlife. And that's going to be your experience because you've created that for yourself, you know? So, so it was really neat. Like the idea that they're presenting this idea that, you know, you know that in these books, like, you know, God is not this sort of Lord over the earth, you know, the humans being like, I'm going to pass judgment. And if you do something I don't like, you're fucked for eternity, you know, but it's kind of like, but I also liked that it was like a little bit of a, of a perspective change on this idea of like, well, how I live my life determines where I go after I die. And it's like, well, yes and no, like you're all kind of going to the same place. And that's, that was one of the things that I loved about that scene in, in, um, in soul, like the people who were like, you know, in the zone were right there with the people who were like, you know, so it was, it was, it was kind of like how, how I've kind of thought about this idea of heaven and hell for a while, that it's not like, Oh, you get sent to heaven, you get sent to hell. It's like, you're in this kind of nebulous zone, but it's, it's kind of, uh, uh, I guess to also bring another metaphor, the whole like white wolf and black wolf thing, you know, which one do you feed? You know, are you, are you in the zone more than, than your anxiety is crushing you? Like what, you know, you, you get to decide what your experience is, you know, are you, you know, uh, you know, so it's, yeah. So in, in other words, it's not some God deciding like you were a good person. I'm going to let you go here. You've been a bad person. I'm going to force you to go here. Like you're, you're kind of creating that experience yourself, you know? Um, 
So that was one of the things I thought was really cool that it wasn't just like, oh, it's this one heaven that everybody goes to. And it's just like, oh, this is what it is. This is, this is like I said, it's boring, you know. Um, it's kind of like that, you know, it's what you, uh, I guess, kind of imagine it to be or create it to be, you know. It's like, yeah, if you want to go on and if you don't want to play the harp, but you want to play guitar, like that's, that's your heaven. That's what you get to do. You know, you get to play guitar in heaven, not harp or whatever, you know? Um, but anyway, you know, like I said, these are all just kind of lies we tell ourselves to feel better about stuff. But, but ultimately I think, I don't know, it's just kind of like, okay. I think that the difference is a lie you're telling yourself, I feel like is much better than a lie someone else is telling you and you're believing someone else's lie and getting kind of caught up in, in someone else's narrative, um, especially if it's a group narrative that's also using the people who believe that narrative to hate large groups of people for no reason. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whereas if you can find something that gives you comfort, you know, may or may not be true, but like how, how also, how do we know? I mean, the things that we, we think we know are true also could not be true. So it's like, you know, then you just kind of spend yourself in this, you know, you, you spend your time in this, like, well, you know, can I believe anything? Can I trust anything? Should I, you know, and it's like, at some point you have to make a, a, a decision, you know, oh, well, you know, the doctors say we should get a vaccine, but all these stupid emails I get from my, my, my relatives say that, you know, they're microchips. I don't know. I don't know what to do. Like, you know, at some, some point you're going to make a decision. <laughs> we, we have gone every every which way but loose on this I, I feel like it was a little bit of uh let's comfort joel and the therapy session so thank you both for that <laughs> um, zeke did you have any other topics you wanted to cover no i think we hit uh everything in my notes yeah the end of everything the great yeah. beyond that that was enough of an ending for you right. yeah <laughs> Oh, I thought of one final thought, too, just to attack onto my last little thing. If you want to edit this, you can. If not, it could just be a last little fart of a thought. But, <laughs> but yeah, so, like, I, I feel like the whole, this whole idea about, so about, like, lying to yourself, like, oh, man, Tim, Tim's fucking stupid. He's lying. But, but I think the difference, too, is that um, a lie that you kind of tell yourself is also not necessarily a lie. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm not trying to tell you to believe my lie. I'm saying you should find your own lie. Own lie. <laughs> that's that's the difference. That's the difference. That's what makes it. It's not religion. If religion would be like, I'm telling you that my lie is true. I'm saying it's my lie. I know it's a lie, but it find helps me. Own. So I'm going to continue <laughs> lying to myself. You should find your own lie that makes you fit. Because you know what? The truth is not going to come for you because the truth is fucked up and fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Tim. (laughs) Here to help. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So with with that, uh, we can move on to my favorite segment, which I'll put right here. It is it is time for another situational movie (laughs) recommendation. Zeke, did you bring one? I couldn't figure out a good. Yeah, I couldn't figure out a good one for this one. Um, I was going to think about like their Pixar stuff or like what has made you question life the most but (laughs) I'm curious to see what what you had well that's the track I went I was thinking I've never really leaned into the recommendation portion of this segment so I'm thinking Mm -hmm. what is it what's the best Pixar movie Mm -hmm. to take a first date that's a good one 
I, I don't even remember what the fuck a first date is. Come on. Like, like, I feel like we've all been in serious ass relationships for like at least close to a decade or around a decade. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of assuming like, you know, averaging all of us out. Like what the fuck is a first date? <laughs> I don't remember. You've seen movies. <laughs> well, no, think about it. Like what, what's not too heavy, not like something you can discuss. I don't know. Like right. this, this wouldn't be one is basically what I'm thinking. Like <laughs> yeah. this is, this is a hard first date conversation. If you bring this movie. Right. Um, I know we talked my, <laughs> my wife and I talked about, uh, Toy Story 3, again, to go back to that and during our first date. And I was just told her that I cried at Toy Story 3, and she really liked that. So <laughs> you can talk about Toy Story 3, but if you go and then you risk crying, that's like, you know, <laughs> risk reward. I think for like low, um, I don't know, I think either of the Incredibles movies or Ratatouille are solid, like not a lot of high. I mean, they're funny. Ratatouille's Yeah, Ratatouille's a good, like, and then none of those are too. Like you're not dealing with as serious topics in those. Maybe in the Incredibles, a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, Ratatouille. I, I lock lock in Ratatouille. <laughs> Tim, what were you gonna say? So, so yeah. So I think um, so. The only movie because Krista doesn't like seeing movies. The only movie we've gone to see is um, Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> like that's the only movie we've seen oh, wow. in the theaters. It's great for a last date. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the, you really the haven't been on a first time, date in a long right. time. <laughs> so, as far as the last, like, like first date going to the movie, the last one, which was with my uh, my last girlfriend before I moved out here, our first date we went to see The Fountain. <laughs> so, so. You saying that, oh, this would obviously be too heavy for a first date. Like, <laughs> motherfucker, I went to see the fountain. <laughs> I stand corrected. <laughs> so, so yeah, this this is a, as a first date would be child's play. It's a cakewalk um, there. <laughs> although, like, I mean, and part of it, too, like, I mean, like, yeah, like, I, I, I do cry a lot when i when i see movies i I, they movies just they hit me very hard that's why it's my thing that's why i want to score them like they're i i i i feel them very deeply you know like i but i and 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 i'm 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 fine crying at movies in front of like with people that i know but like i don't know that i would go see a pixar movie for a first date because it's just like i mean like there's something to be said for, you know, being honest and being truthful, but it's like, you know, you don't like, I don't want to be like ugly crying in the middle of a theater, like on a first date, you know, it's like, I mean, you know, maybe third, fourth, fifth, like, okay, we've gotten to that point, you know, sure. That's fine. But, but not, not first date. Like I, and I, and I think part of it too is like, I don't, I never know to what degree it's going to be. And that was the thing with this movie is I was just like, okay, like I was kind of like, okay, the musician, you know, he dies, obviously. And and it wasn't... And what I do love about it is that it's not... It, it, it ended up not being, like, sad crying. It was, like, beautiful crying. It was, like, the him having the realization and just, like... like and, and sometimes that, like, hits me harder than just, like, oh, no, his... You know, the, you know like... It, it's total opposite end of the spectrum from, like, John Wick, you know? Where it's just, like, you know, like, you're you're crying at the beginning of John Wick for one reason. You're crying at the end of this for a different reason, you know? And it's, like... So it's, like, yeah, like... Dude, John Wick cry is a different kind of cry. Yeah. It really is. 
that's the like the uh, the um first toby Maguire spider-man like when uncle ben dies <laughs> and like his face switches from that that ugly to like like you know like the 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 fist is clenching kind of thing you know and it's just like all right you know so so yes yeah, so i don't know like i don't know that like yeah, I feel I, I don't know that there's been a Pixar movie I haven't cried at, and it's just like I don't I don't know that I would willingly walk into that for like a first date, you know. Again, Fair. eventually, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think in general, like I, I probably would want to go with something that's like, oh, like this is you know maybe maybe a romantic comedy kind of thing where it's just like okay, it's still kind of fun and light, you can kind of discuss it or. Um, you know, I, yeah, I think I think part of the thing with with the fountain, like I didn't, I think at the time I didn't know sort of what the whole deal was, so that ended up being you know way more of a mess for many reasons, and you know, I mean, it should have been a red flag for the relationship as a whole, but like, yeah, like I I didn't I didn't go into that thinking like yeah I'm gonna ugly cry in front of this woman, sure, you know whatever, like it was more just like oh it looks kind of cool and interesting and neat and whatever, yeah. Yeah, the more I think about it, I, you know, maybe maybe I shouldn't be going on movies, going to movies for a first date, just because it's just like, yeah, I'm, I, I, yeah, I can never predict. I mean, you're when married. That gonna... would be a pretty big reason not to go. <laughs> that was my whole thing at the beginning of this. Is like, when have, when have we been? I on... brought it round. You are now in the hell yeah. of my making. <laughs> yeah, a segment that you hate and me yeah. forcing you to answer. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not at the point yet when I when I will cry at telephone commercials though. That's that's mm. not a point. But yeah, like I mean, uh, I mean, just in general, like or like with TV shows, like it doesn't even have to be a full on two hour movie. Like yep. I just yeah. like fuck, like yeah, yeah. I, know. I I would say Finding Nemo mm-hmm. or um, Monsters Inc. Yeah, those ones are pretty low stakes. And just very, like, just fun. I mean, there, there's emotional moments. I mean, there the the opening to Finding Nemo rivals up in terms of like right. saddest story in two minutes. Um, and it, kind of the end of of Monsters Inc is sad, but it, it has a hopeful moment at the end. So, like, I don't know. Like, I I've always really liked Monsters Inc. My my absolute favorite is Wally, which is not yeah. a first date Pixar. I don't think. No, no, no. Because <laughs> good movie though. Good movie, a great movie. But that I I don't know. There's too much too much romance in it. Like for a very first date, I don't know. That's like a third date, fifth date. Been together a couple of years. I don't know. I, I love feel like that. probably the same with Up. You probably wouldn't want Up to be a first date. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> Do you want to go home together? <laughs> Put your hand on this mailbox. Is <laughs> how we do it. <laughs> well, it's great. Well, thank you, Zeke, for bringing yeah. the harbinger of death and existential <laughs> dread into our lives and our listeners' ears. I... Watching it burn. <laughs> I like watching it burn. <laughs> You know, listeners are going to be like, I don't like the podcast when Scott is <laughs> It's funny. Like it's not deep. our fault. It's Soul's fault. <laughs> so, uh, well, thank you. Genuinely, it was, it was mm-hmm. a great discussion. I'm going to have to 
drink or sleep or something this mm-hmm. off. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to not drink. Live that, life. That is for damn sure. <laughs> Live it off. Yeah. Live it off. Yeah, yeah Experience exactly. Experience life. There's been you a lot of a little, good... little thing on your nose. Yeah. You know. Catch the thing. Eat a pizza. Catch yeah. the thing. Eat a pizza. <laughs> Give a street Live musician a piece of a bagel. Exactly. Not the whole bagel, a piece of the bagel. <laughs> drink from a cup on a subway. <laughs> These are all the greatest t-shirt ideas I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> live laugh love <laughs> tricks I'm trying. <laughs> um so next month i will be your movie selector and i have chosen yet another existential see okay here's uh, the thing uh, the movies that i'm bringing are existential but they're alienating they don't. They don't say, "Hey, this is you." They're they're weird, and there's no story. It's all about the face that the person is saying, like doing when these thoughts are happening in their head. Okay. Oh, <laughs> damn. Okay. So, I don't know why I said like. <laughs> so, we're gonna watch a Michelangelo Antonioni film, Italian neo realist filmmaker. Prepare for a stalker-esque type watching experience. Don't look for a story. I'm going to read you the the story right now. Um, It's much more about the camera work and the uh, uh, actors' performances and kind of the cinematography and kind of the existential themes and what's going on. There's there's an Italian existential ennui. Ennui is not defined. Ennui is not telling you what's wrong. You know something's wrong, but you're not intimately related with what's going on. So uh came out in 1964, 65. Um, so just the amid the modern wastelands and toxic factories of Italy, wife and mother Juliana, played by Monica Vitti. I love Monica Vitti. She's great. Desperately tries to conceal her tenuous grip on reality from those around her, especially her successful yet neglectful husband, Hugo. Um, Hugo's old pal Corrado shows up on a ta- um, in town on a business trip and is more sensitive to Giuliani, Juliana's anxieties. They begin an affair, but it does little to quell Juliana's existential fears, and her mental state rapidly deteriorates. Go, go, go with God. <laughs> That's what's happening. It's very, it's it's a great Italian love story in that it involves infidelity and a failing marriage. <laughs> Which is uniquely Italian, but very specifically Antonionian. So I'm I'm looking forward to sharing it with you guys. Like I said, think playtime, think stalker. Don't look for a narrative because there's not going to be one. It's all about performance. It's all about framing. So wait, wait, what's the name of it? It's called Red Desert. I okay. did not tell you what the name was. <laughs> we can find it on Canopy. <laughs> You don't even, you don't Good need the name. Go with God is what I said. That's right. <laughs> yeah, Red Desert. for Italian existentialism. <laughs> Italian affair. <laughs> Hugo. You're going to find nothing. <laughs> I'm sorry. I gave you. As, that was a long buildup. As <laughs> vague. <laughs> it was like, it was like soul. I didn't give you the name of the movie right. until after the story had taken Aww. place. <laughs> It all and it makes... was all much more meaningful for that. <laughs> well, on that note, thank you, listeners. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bug zapper noise. 
Did you know Movie Mumble has its very own Twitter account? Please follow us on Twitter at MovieMumbleNTG and tweet at us with questions, reviews, or recommendations of things you'd like us to watch next. Motherfucker. You are... You come hot when Stan ain't here. I don't know what that is about. I come, I come hot with the endings all the time. They're just sometimes more pleasant. <laughs>